Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. A very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come To Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you as we come together, and the Lord allows us this time every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, live at 4 o'clock on our Domestic Church Media Network of Stations, and also coming to you live right now, a video on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia. Also live video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash domesticchurchmedia. Also live streaming video on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. Coming to you live on your Amazon Echo and Google Home devices, just say, play Domestic Church Media, and we'll be streaming there. Our streaming audio on our website, and if you have not yet, I encourage you, highly encourage you, to download the free Domestic Church Media mobile app, the app for your mobile devices, your phone, your tablets, and you can listen, you can watch, uh, you can do all kinds of interesting reading. It's not just Domestic Church Media. We have a whole bunch of stuff on there for you, a lot of resources, including uh, daily mass readings, liturgy of the hours, morning, evening, night prayer, uh, the catechism, the Bible, all kinds, saint of the day. You want to find where there's a mass being said or where there's a confession being heard, you can check that out there as well. So if you've not yet downloaded your free Domestic Church Media app, do that. Go to your app store and search for Domestic Church Media, download it, and it's yours, our gift to you. But you can watch. It's neat. You can watch the video right on our on your mobile device live. And, of course, we also repeat this program on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights at 10 o'clock. And um, just 24-7 worth of Catholic radio here on whatever way you're listening or watching is the only comes to you live, though. But uh, every other audio format comes to you 24-7. So happy you are here. It is Thursday. It is Catechism Day. And I thought we'd go back to where we left off last week. Uh, we began a couple weeks ago teaching from the Catechism on the people of God us, and of course that transitions into the church. And so today we're going to go to the section from our catechism on the church being one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And, uh, you know, I, I've been praying and, and uh, I've been talking a lot about just how I feel just compelled to continue to talk about and encourage Unity, unity in truth, unity in Jesus. Uh, you know, our church is one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and we have to be one people of God. And so I want to go to the catechism where it teaches that. Also, yesterday was Wednesday. I didn't get to it. We kind of got diverted a little bit, but our Holy Father gave his general audience yesterday. And this is um, the week, I guess, of Christian unity. And... Uh, 
Holy Father was talking about, again, we're, talking, we're going to talk about unity, and we're also going to, he's going to teach about um, being united, welcoming each other uh, as Christians. So we'll get to that as well. So let's pray first. And of course, uh, tomorrow is the March for Life, so we'll keep in our prayers today all of the travelers. And as a matter of fact, tonight, um, i got to check the time here, I believe it's 5.30, we are going to bring you live from Washington, D.C. tonight, uh, the opening mass, I believe. Um, let me just double check. I should have had it in front of me. Didn't do that ahead of time. Naughty me. Uh, we're going to have... It's the opening mass of the National Prayer Vigil for Life, live from the Basilica of the um, uh, National uh, the Immaculate Conception uh, down the Basilica down in Washington. And then tomorrow morning, <clears throat> starting at 7.30... So all, all regular programming is going to be preempted tomorrow by EWTN. And starting at 7.30 tomorrow morning, we'll bring you the closing Mass. So Mass normally heard at noon here on this station is going to be heard live tomorrow, 7.30, the closing Mass of the National Prayer Vigil for Life. And then we'll have a couple of uh, pro-life specials. And then starting at 9 o'clock, uh, continuous coverage of the uh, March for Life from Washington, D.C. And I don't know if you've heard... I did post it on our uh, Facebook page that President Trump is actually going to address and be the first president ever to address uh, the March for Life. So he will be there tomorrow. Um, and, uh, you know, he loves big crowds, I guess. So he's going to have one tomorrow, certainly. <laughs> They're saying about half a million people will be there. So anyway, so let's keep all of that in prayer. People keep, uh, remain safe in both their journeys, their travels, and tomorrow at the march itself. Also, my friends, as I uh, do every day, I invite you to raise up your special prayer intentions now, whatever they may be. Keep us in prayer here. We have so much going on and uh, so many exciting things coming down the pike here in 2020. As I mentioned to you yesterday, we had our uh, preliminary Radiothon planning meeting. Our spring Radiothon this year is April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. That's the week before Holy Week. And our theme this year is going to be We Are One Body. And, you know, we bring these broadcasts to you in so many wide and varied ways now. We thank God for this opportunity. And again, as we'll teach today from the Catechism, being the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the one body of Christ, that's who we are. And so that's going to be our theme this year. So keep that in mind and pray, just pray. Uh, as we get closer to the Radiothon, again, it's, it's not, not until April, April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, but as you know, time flies, and we'll be here before you know it. But as we always do, we have a wonderful gathering of volunteers and, and dedicated brothers and sisters who want to make this the most successful Radiothon to date. And when I say successful, I mean that the uh, money that we raise during the Radiothon enables us to do all of these things. Uh, so please keep that in prayer. We really do need as many people as possible to participate April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And as I said, it'll be here before you know it. You know, we're here we already are, the, the 23rd of, of January. Uh, Christmas was a month ago. Can you believe that? Um, so keep that in prayer and also pray in Thanksgiving. We had a wonderful donation from one of our board members who every year over the past few years has uh, stepped out in faith and enabled us to do a lot, like the brand-new studio was a result of... Uh, 
this couple's donation a couple of years ago. We had our driveway paved a few years ago as a result of that. Um, last year, they made a very generous donation for us to get a brand new uh, control board. The control board that we use here in the main studio is about 35 years old. And in fact, the manufacturer doesn't even exist anymore. So we couldn't even get parts if it breaks. So anyway, this uh, a wonderful couple has made a very generous donation that's going to allow us to install a brand new control board in February. Uh, they had made that donation last year, but we had to divert that money uh, toward our remediation work that we had to have done here in the building. But this year, they've uh, again stepped out in faith and have uh, made a, an earmarked, a very special, uh, generous donation for us to do that. So we want to thank Jesus for them and our prayers. And uh, as I mentioned to you in March, Cheryl and I are going down to EWTN. Um, we're going to be on uh, Jim and Joy's program as guests, but also have a couple of meetings down there that we uh, pray will show great, bring great fruit to the apostolate here. So keep all of this in prayer. And I thought today we would pray the prayer from um, uh, St. Pope John Paul II's Evangelium Vitae, the uh, Gospel of Life. He concluded that uh, encyclical letter with a beautiful prayer for life. So let's pray that today especially because it is um, the eve of the March for Life. And let's begin, my friends, as we begin all good things, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Mary, bright dawn of the new world, mother of the living, to you we entrust the cause of life. Look down, O mother, upon the vast numbers of babies not allowed to be born, of the poor whose lives are made difficult, of men and women who are victims of brutal violence, of the elderly and the sick killed by indifference or out of misguided mercy. Grant that all who believe in your Son may proclaim the gospel of life with honesty and love to the people of our time. Obtain for them the grace to accept that gospel as a ever I'm sorry, as a gift ever new, the joy of celebrating it with gratitude throughout their lives, and the courage to bear witness to it resolutely, in order to build, together with all the people of goodwill, the civilization of truth and love, to the praise and glory of God, the creator and lover of life. Amen. And let's pray our prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and also the ancient prayer to our Blessed Mother, the Subtum Presidium prayer that Holy Father Pope Francis asked us to pray uh, with the specific uh, intention to protect the Church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil, May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And again, my friends, I thank you as always for praying together, keeping all of those intentions in your prayers. You know, as 
again, I, it's hard for me to believe. Today, Cheryl and I were having breakfast this morning, and, and we were, she was doing something on her calendar. And she said, what's today's date? I said, the 23rd. I can't believe Christmas was a month ago already. What? How fast is this year going to be going? So there's a, But there's a lot to do. You know, there's so much that we here at the Apostolate want to do, to serve, to give glory to God. It's not about us. It's about doing all that we can do, using the gifts that God gives us to give him all glory and to bring people the true gospel of life, the gospel of hope, the joy of the gospel, of knowing and encountering Jesus Christ in all truth, in the fullness of all truth. And that's what our church brings. You know, this is the the week of Christian unity, and wouldn't it be a, a, a miracle of miracles if, if uh, so many of our Protestant brothers and sisters would understand? I was listening to Dr. Ray today, and, and, and there was a young woman who called in who was raised in a home where her father was a, a Protestant minister. And she got married, and she married a Protestant man. And in their, and she was telling the story that in their studies, they just were, as, as a married couple, a Protestant married couple, were, were just doing research on the church. And they began to see, their eyes were open, the scales were uh, falling off their eyes, and their hardened hearts, perhaps, that had been raised to reject the Catholic Church and reject the teachings of, of Catholicism. They began to see the truth in the existence of the church and that it was and is indeed the one true church founded by Christ himself and they converted to Catholicism didn't make her her Protestant dad too happy and now now they have a child the baby baptized in the church and the father's pretty upset because it's it's his belief based on his uh, Protestant tradition that you don't baptize infants anyway in this week of Christian unity we certainly look to our Protestant brothers and sisters in all that we do have in common. If you really, really lay it out, we have much more in common with our Protestant brothers and sisters than not. But we know that there are those stumbling blocks along the way that uh, many of the denominations have with the church. And we know that in our church, the Catholic church, We are the only church that has the real, true presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Christ present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in our church. No other church can claim that, and no other church does claim that, I don't believe, or if they do, they're wrong. Because if it is a non-Catholic church that claims that, there's been a break in the apostolic succession, so they can't have a valid priesthood, and they can't have a valid sacrament in, in the Eucharist. We want to make people aware of the beauty and truth of that, that the church, the Catholic church, is the one true church. And we're going to go to our catechism after we take our break and teach from the catechism on the section, the church is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And that's not to cast a... Uh, dispersion on uh, the week of Christian unity when we're trying to come together, but rather it's a way of of opening up. Hopefully, maybe there are some non-Catholics listening now who are. Li- and if you, if you know, I always say if there's non-Catholics who listen to Catholic radio, there's a reason for that. The Holy Spirit's leading them here to maybe open their heart to the truth of uh, of our faith. So we'll get to that. 
Before we do that, I do want to share with you um, yesterday from his uh, general audience, Holy Father Pope Francis, as part of the uh, Week of Christian Unity, the Holy Father stressed that hospitality is important. It's also an important ecumenical virtue, he said. First of all, it means recognizing that other Christians are truly our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's so true. You know, we must never, ever look down at our other Christian brothers and sisters and feel that we are better than them in any way. We certainly stress with them that we have in the Catholic Church the fullness of all truth, and Holy Father, in his teaching, and I'm, I'm trying to scroll here, and for some reason, my, my, again, my laptop is, 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 is battling. I'm battling with my cursor here. Um, here we go. Now it's moving. I don't know what happened. But the Holy Father said that, explained that hospitality is not an act of one-way generosity, but because we are, uh, when we host other Christians, we welcome them as a gift that is given to us. You know, since Vatican II, there's been a, 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 a stress on ecumenism. It doesn't mean we water down or uh, try to hide our faith. True ecumenism is, is, is sharing uh, our beliefs. I remember many, many years ago in our parish, there was an ecumenical uh, service where I lived, and, and Cheryl was the music director at our parish, and all the churches within the community came together for this prayer service. And we broke off into prayer teams, you know, with non, you know, with uh, members, every, every prayer team had a member from each of the visiting uh, churches. And we started with prayer and it was spontaneous prayer. And so we're in this circle with, you know, I'm sitting there with other members of this uh, prayer team, other members of other Christian churches, and a woman began to pray, and she began to pray, and in her prayer, she was literally said in this ecumenical prayer that Catholics would open their eyes and see the light of truth or something to that effect, and I thought, I didn't, I was, this was the early days. Had it been today, I would have said, been bold enough to say something. In those days, I was new at it. I didn't say anything, but I thought, this is rather odd. It's supposed to be an ecumenical prayer, and she's attacking me. Anyway. The point is that we are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. And as I said earlier, we have so much more in, in common with our uh, Protestant brothers and sisters than not. The Holy Father um, said the first step in welcoming Christians of other traditions is showing them God's love and welcoming what God has accomplished in their lives. The Holy Father said ecumenical hospitality requires willingness to listen to other Christians, paying attention to their personal stories of faith and the history of their community. It also involves the desire to know other Christians' experience of God. You know, these brothers and sisters who have been raised, you know, from the time they were children, been raised in certain beliefs. We're not going to go in there and start hacking them up, uh, their beliefs, and, and chopping them apart. We certainly want to respect them and listen to them and talk with them, uh, because the Holy Father's catechesis yesterday focused on the theme of hospitality as part of this week of prayer for Christian unity. In fact, he's going to mark the end of the week 
with the praying of Vespers, January 25th, which is the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, and that's uh, Saturday, and he's going to actually be at the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls praying there. Um, the theme for this week comes from the line in the 28th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, they treated us kindly, and the uh, Acts recounts the story of the storm and shipwreck of St. Paul and his companions as they attempted to travel to Italy by boat, eventually landing on the island of Malta. The Holy Father told the story, explaining that the ship on which Paul travels is at the mercy of the elements. The Holy Father taught that for 14 days, 14 days they had been at sea, drifting, and since neither the sun nor the stars are visible, the travelers feel disoriented, lost. Pope Francis said below them the sea breaks violently against the ship, and they fear that it will break under the force of the waves. From above, they are lashed by the wind and the rain. The Holy Father said, but St. Paul knows it is not so. Faith tells him that his life is in the hands of God. Therefore, St. Paul addresses his traveling companions and, inspired by faith, announces to them that God will not allow a hair of their heads to be lost. Isn't that great faith? You know, and, and that lesson teaches us a lesson in our the storms of our own life, you know, and our Lord in, in the um, gospel account of his own calming the sea, same thing. But here's St. Paul adrift in, in the Mediterranean, storms batting against the ship, the wind blowing, they're not sure if they're going to make it, they're drifting, it's dark you know, with, with a storm, there's no stars, there's no light. And uh, I'm sure out in the middle of the sea like that, with no stars and no moonlight, it's pitch black, and you're being uh, buffeted about by the storm. But St. Paul and his faith told him that his life and the life of those his, of the, his companions were in the hands of God. Therefore, he addresses his traveling companions and announces to them that God will not allow a hair of their head to be lost, that the passengers all survived the ship's rough landing on the coast of the island of Malta, and they're welcomed by the inhabitants there. And Holy Father said these people, foreign to them, are attentive to their needs. They light a fire to warm them up, offer them shelter from rain and flood. I'm sorry, offer them shelter from the rain, and, and they offer them food. Even if they've not yet received the good news of Christ, they manifest the love of God in concrete acts of kindness. As the Holy Father said, the hospitality of the Maltese Islanders is rewarded by the healing miracles God works through Paul. And he said that if the Maltese people were a sign of God's providence for St. Paul, he was also a witness to God's merciful love for them. So the Holy Father is making the point of, of here are two different peoples. And, and they come together, and by God's grace and by the kindness that he shows through God's love, they're able to give witness of God's merciful love for them. And the Holy Father said that the sea which shipwrecked Paul and his companions is the same sea, meaning the Mediterranean, from, from uh, men and women from around the world risk crossing to escape violence and war and poverty. You know, we saw that in, in so many cases of uh, around the world. Um, 
the boat people. Remember that many, many years ago? And, and uh, people who are truly trying to escape violence and war and, and, and um, governments that are oppressive governments. This, that's, that's, you know, that's something we look at and we, we, we look to these people and we need to uh, be aware of what's happening in their lives. So Holy Father said, not only do they face indifference and hostility of the desert or sea, but they also risk ex- exploitation by traffickers or being considered a threat by some. Uh, sometimes hospitality refuses them as well. But he urged Christians to work together to show the love of God revealed by Jesus Christ to each other, to testify that every person is precious to God and loved by him. He said, the divisions among Christians prevent us from being fully the sign of God's love. And uh, where was I? I I think it was, um, what was I watching? They were talking about uh, Catholics being, well, actually, I'll tell you a story. I don't know if you heard, um, Archbishop Perez from Cleveland has been named the new Archbishop of Philadelphia, Archbishop Chaput, uh, because he turned 75 by church law, by canon law, had to turn in his resignation or hand his resignation to the Holy Father. The Holy Father accepted it and announced uh, this morning officially that Archbishop Perez from Cleveland will be the new Archbishop of Philadelphia, and I think he's going to be installed on the 11th of February. The reason I mentioned that was because, of course, it's news for us here in our listening area. But also, the Cathedral of Saints Peter and Paul in Philadelphia, which is the, the uh, cathedral in the city, uh, when that cathedral was being built, I don't know if you've ever been down there. I'm sure many of our, our Pennsylvania listeners have been there. But if you ever get down to Philadelphia and you look at the cathedral, you'll see how these stained glass windows on the cathedral are very high up. And the reason for that is when they were building the cathedral, initially the windows were going to be a, a lower uh, level. Um, Anti-Catholics kept throwing stones through them and breaking them. So, so they had to raise the windows, the stained glass windows on the cathedral, so they couldn't reach them with stones to break them. That's how anti-Catholic the city of brotherly love was when they were building that cathedral. Um, so we Catholics know what it's like uh, to be rejected and uh, to be ostracized. Uh, here, even in this country, there was a lot of anti-Catholicism in this country. I believe the, uh, the Maryland colony was established for, as a refuge for Catholics to come. Uh, it's hard for us to believe today. Uh, maybe it isn't anymore, but uh, to, to know that that really did exist. Anyway, Holy Father said that divisions among Christians prevent us from being fully the sign of God's love, working together to live uh, hospitality, especially towards those whose life is more vulnerable, will make all of us Christians, Protestant, Orthodox, Catholics, all Christians, will make us better human beings, better disciples, and a more united Christian people. It would bring us closer to unity, which is God's will for us. I'm, I, and again, could you imagine if all the Christians in the world all came back to the fullness of truth in the Catholic Church? You know, the devil is the father of division. And for the first thousand years of her existence, Mother Church was the only Christian church. The Catholic Church was the only Christian church there was until the break break away around the year 1000 to the Orthodox. And then, of course, in, in, uh, in the 1500s when uh, uh, Martin Luther 
broke away, and then there you had it, down down the line. All the, all the division. We pray for unity. We pray that our brothers and sisters who are not Catholic will open their hearts to research, like that couple that was on Dr. Ray's program today, the woman talking about herself and her husband, who in their own research, their eyes were opened to the truth of, well, this Catholic Church really is the, the, the only church founded by Jesus Christ or the church founded by Jesus Christ and came into the church. And, you know, the best way we can be inviting to anyone, non-Catholic Christians, non-Christians, to show how we love each other. That's the beautiful witness that was given in the first century church. The church of the first century grew so rapidly. And Scripture tells us in the Acts, people would be so touched and amazed by the, the generosity and love that the first century Christians had for each other. See how they love each other. Could they say that about us today? Could they look at us in the Catholic Church and say, see how they love each other? Can they say that about us in our parishes, in our diocese, in our diocesan offices, in our apostolate, in our ministries? See how they love each other. That'll be the most attractive witness to anyone is to let them see how we live the true message and the commandment that Jesus gave us. Love one another as I have loved you. And let people say, see how those Catholics love each other. I want to be part of that. That's what I want to join. We'll take a break. When I come back, we're going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and we're going to teach about the church being one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. So stay where you are. I also have a couple of announcements about tomorrow, uh, the March uh, day, some events happening here locally. If you can't get down to Washington, uh, there are some things you can participate in here in our listening area. So stay where you are, my friends. More to come on Come to Me. find out more about parish events and devotions, prayer group and school activities in your area, then check out the Catholic Community Bulletin Board on our website. You'll find up-to-date information about events happening throughout our listening area. Go to domesticchurchmedia.org slash Catholic Bulletin Board. If you have an event you'd like us to promote, you can post it there as well. Go to domesticchurchmedia.org slash Catholic Bulletin Board. Cheryl. I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, 
and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope on these domestic church media stations. Sixty seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. In prayer, do not do all the talking. If you went into a doctor's office, you would not rattle off the symptoms and then rush out. How did you learn to speak the English language? You learned to speak by listening, did you not? How does a scientist learn the laws of nature? By imposing laws upon nature? No, he sits down passively before nature and says to nature, now you reveal to me your secrets. So we are not constantly to be yapping in prayer. Sacred scripture says, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. We often change that. And we say, listen, Lord, thy servant speaketh. In prayer, therefore, we must not only speak, we must also listen. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we've got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. From Ewing to Union Beach. Heightstown to Humeville. Pine Beach to Penn Valley. Burlington to Bradley Beach. Seagirt to Spotswood. Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Proclaiming Jesus Christ in the new springtime of the church. Welcome back, and I'm going to go to the catechism in just a moment, but before we do that, a couple of announcements about events happening tomorrow here in our area. If you can't make it down to the March for Life in Washington, there are some things happening here that you can participate in. Uh, first of all, if you're over here in the um, Mercer County area, St. Raphael's in uh, Hamilton at 3500 South Broad Street, they're going to have um, at 10 o'clock, starting at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, the praying of the rosary every hour until 6 p.m. So every hour they're praying the rosary at St. Raphael's in Hamilton until 6 p.m., starting at 10 tomorrow morning, 
until 6, and then at 6.30, there'll be the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So there's an opportunity. Go pray the rosary. As you know, uh, St. Padre Pio used to refer that to the rosary as his weapon, certainly a weapon against evil. So you can have an opportunity there. St. Raphael's is at 3500 South Broad Street in Hamilton, New Jersey. Tomorrow, starting at 10 a.m., they're praying the rosary every hour until 6 p.m., and then at 6.30, they're going to celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Also, tomorrow, if you're over in the Monmouth County area at Marlboro, St. Gabriel's, pull that one up here. St. Gabriel's is located at, <clears throat> come on, <laughs> 110 North Main Street in Marlboro. Uh, they're going to uh, have a uh, March for Life Mass at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. So Monsignor O'Connell celebrating the Holy Sacrifice at 9 a.m. tomorrow at St. Gabriel's over in Marlboro, 110 North Main Street, Marlboro. So there's an opportunity for you as well. And as I mentioned to you also earlier, Starting well, actually tonight at 5.30, Crest is going to come on at 5 o'clock for a half hour after I leave you. And then at 5.30, we're going to take you down to Washington, D.C. for the Vigil for Life um, opening mass from the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington. And then tomorrow morning at 7.30, we're going to bring you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass again from the Basilica tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m. And then a couple of pro-life programs to follow. And then starting at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning until Cheryl and I come on at 4 o'clock, we'll bring you continuous coverage of the March for Life. All these speeches and interviews and all things. And as I said, I don't know if you heard, that President Trump is going to address the marchers. He's going to be there. So uh, we'll bring that to you as well. So a lot going on, a lot taking place tomorrow. Keep it all in prayer. And the numbers I heard, because the weather's supposed to be beautiful tomorrow, so God is blessing this event, and it's going to be close to 50 tomorrow. Um, probably a little warmer in Washington, which would be great. Uh, we thank the Lord for his uh, looking down upon this event every year and blessing it. And uh, the numbers I heard, they're expecting close to half a million people down there tomorrow. And if you with me yesterday, you heard I read that proclamation from the president declaring yesterday, January 22nd, the actual anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision as the National Sanctity of Life Day. So we have to keep praying. I, 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 would, I would love to see tomorrow. This has always been a, 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 a this should happen. I think this, this would show great power. Let's say there are, and there probably will be, half a million people there tomorrow, right, down in Washington. Could you imagine if, let's say at noon, now make it 3 o'clock, the hour of mercy, all the people who were there, gathered there, got on their knees and invoked the Holy Spirit to come down <laughs> and descend upon that city in a, in, a, in a miraculous way that would change hearts, actually descend upon this country. Imagine 500 people at one time getting down on their knees and praying, come Holy Spirit, 
to come down, descend upon this nation. So much, there'd be so much power in that prayer. That many people at one time getting on their knees and in, with one purpose of invoking the Holy Spirit to, to come down upon this nation. I don't, I don't know anybody who organizes the march or anything, but someone ought to suggest that to them. <laughs> Next year, or get the word down there about three o'clock, the hour of mercy. Get on your knees down there, everybody, not just those in Washington. Everybody, get down on your knees at three o'clock and just call down the Holy Spirit upon this nation. I mean, the power there would be incredible. Okay, so we'll keep praying for that again. Uh, uh, when I leave you at five o'clock, Cresta comes on for half hour at five thirty. We're going to take you down to Washington D.C for the uh, opening mass of the uh, prayer vigil for life. And then tomorrow morning, we'll go back down to Washington at uh, 7.30 in the morning for the closing mass. That'll be the mass of the day that we broadcast. And then at 9 o'clock, live coverage uh, of the March for Life. So keep your radio dial right where it is. And again, you know, if you're if you have the free Domestic Church Media mobile app, you can take the march with you wherever you go tomorrow if you're not down there. And even if you are going to march, you can listen to it right on your, on your uh, smartphone, your Amazon Echo, your Google Home devices. We're streaming uh, 24-7. You can hear the march that way. Uh, of course, EWTN is going to be carrying it live on television. So uh, stay connected with us, with the march through us. We, we would certainly uh, highly recommend that. Okie doke. Let's go to the catechism. And as we began a few weeks ago in the Catechism, teaching about the people of God, and again, stressing unity, we're going to go to paragraph 811, 811, under the title, The Church is One, Holy, Catholic, and Apostolic. And we'll cover this over the next few weeks here on Catechism Day. 811. This is the sole Church of Christ which in the creed we profess to be one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. These four characteristics inseparably linked with each other indicate essential features of the church and her mission. The church does not possess them of herself. It is Christ through the Holy Spirit who makes his church one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, and it is he who calls her to realize each of these qualities, Christ himself. Only faith can recognize that the church possesses these properties from her divine source. But their historical manifestations are signs that also speak clearly to human reason. As the First Vatican Council noted, the church herself, with her marvelous propagation, eminent holiness, and inexhaustible fruitfulness in everything good, her Catholic unity and invincible stability is a great and perpetual motive of credibility and an irrefutable witness to her divine mission. Just stop and think about this. Jesus Christ established this church. Peter, you are rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. 2,000 years ago. And here we are. Of course, there's 2,000 years ago 
with 12 men, with our Lord there, with his 12 apostles, the first bishops. And here we are 2,000 years later, how many kingdoms and nations and, 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 and governments have risen and fallen in those 2,000 years. The church is still here. And so paragraph 812 in our catechism, quoting from the First Vatican Council, the church herself with her marvelous propagation, and we're a billion strong right now, a long way to go, seven uh, billion people in the world, so we have a long way to go, but a billion strong, starting with those first 12, 2,000 years ago, eminent holiness. You know, we're all called to holiness. The church must be holy. We must be holy. And inexhaustible fruitfulness in everything good. Her Catholic unity, of course the word Catholic means universal, Catholic unity and invincible stability is a great and perpetual motive of credibility and an irrefutable witness of her divine mission. The church is one. This is uh, paragraph 813. The church is one. The church is one because of her source. The highest exemplar and source of this mystery is the unity in the trinity of persons of one God, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. The church is one because of her founder, for the word made flesh, the Prince of Peace, reconciled all men to God by her cross, restoring the unity of all in one people and one body. Again, my brothers and sisters, this is why, and you know, I don't have to tell you this, we see a, a greatly divided world today. We see a, 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 a divided church. And we know that the church has many problems. <laughs> and over the past 15 years or so, with the scandals that have been uh, brought to light, the church has many, many blemishes. And, and many of her members have betrayed Christ in the most horrific and horrible ways with their crimes, especially those crimes against children. But we are called to live in the truth that Jesus Christ brings. We're called, as he said, to be members of his body. I am the vine, you are the branches. We are the branches of the vine of Christ. And we're called to be unified as one people, as one body. The Catechism says in paragraph 813, The church is one because of her soul. It is the Holy Spirit dwelling in those who believe and pervading and ruling over the entire church who bring about that wonderful communion of the faithful and joins them together so intimately in Christ that he is the principle of the church's unity. Unity is of the essence of the church. And so don't you see that when we are divided among ourselves, we're allowing the devil to have his way with us. In fact, we're doing his work for him. We certainly need to be prudent uh, regarding our faith and what is taught and what is professed and what is proclaimed. 
And we know that there are individuals within our church that are saying, do things that are contrary perhaps to the teaching of the church in one way or another, whether intentional or not. We have every right to stand up and, and voice our, um, make our voices heard, I should say. It's not an opinion, it's, it's a fact. That when we get at each other over the little petty things, the things that aren't true, the things that are fake news, the things that are, are insinuated, the things, you know, through gossip or, or detraction or calumny, all these horrible uh, sins against each other that we can commit. The, par- the Catechism says in paragraph 813, unity is of the essence of the church. And then there's a quote, and I'm, I'm a little hesitant to pull up this footnote because I'm afraid I might lose the rest of it. So it's in paragraph 18, I'm sorry, 813. What an astonishing mystery. There is one Father of the universe, one Logos of the universe, and also one Holy Spirit. Everywhere one and the same. There is also one virgin become mother, and I should like to call her church. And to be members of this one body, this one holy, Catholic, apostolic church. We were talking about this the other day. Um, I, I've shared with you that one of my sisters has been very diligent in uh, doing a lot of family research through that Ancestry.com, and she's taken us all the way back, the uh, Manfredonia site, all the way back to the mid-1700s. I was sharing with Cheryl this morning, I was going down the, the uh, patriarchy, from, from from my my great 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 grandfathers all the way down to my grandson, and you know Luigi Pellegrino Giovanni they're all there, and then it gets down to James and Joseph and and Jack. Um, but I was saying how the faith isn't it a beautiful thing that through our family line, the Catholic faith has been passed down from one generation to the next. That that we have been members of this body for hundreds and hundreds of years. Our family has. Tracing it all, all the way back right now to the mid-1700s in Italy. That the, and, and really, what greater gift can one generation pass down to the next than, than our faith? Because, you know, our faith teaches us, number one, how to live this life with hope, with joy, and our faith teaches us that this is just uh, temporary, that we're really meant to be forever with God in heaven, and that gives us enormous hope and has been the foundation of who we are, and I'm sure you and your families as well. Now, we know people have converted into the faith, but if you're like me, and probably most of you are, you're, you're cradle Catholics, and you can go back generations and think of the greatest gift that your family has passed down from one generation to the next is the gift of our Catholic faith. And to be members of this church founded by Christ himself is an enormous blessing. The the Catechism says, from the beginning, this one church has been marked by a great diversity, which comes from both the variety of God's gifts and the diversity of those who receive them. This is paragraph 814 in the Catechism. Within the unity of the people of God, a multiplicity of peoples and cultures is gathered together 
Among the church's members, there are different gifts, offices, conditions, and ways of life. Holding a rightful place in the communion of the church, there are also particular churches that retain their own traditions. The great richness of such diversity is not oppressed to the church's unity, yet sin and the burden of its consequences constantly threaten the gift of unity, and so the apostle has to exhort Christians to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The apostle, you and I, my brothers and sisters, we have to exhort our brother and sister Christians to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What are these bonds of unity, the Catechism asks in paragraph 815? Above all, charity binds everything together in perfect harmony. But the unity of the Pilgrim Church is also assumed by a visible bonds of communion. Profession of one faith received from the apostles, common celebration of divine worship, especially the sacraments, apostolic succession through the sacrament of holy orders, maintaining the fraternal concord of God's family. So these bonds of unity, above all, our catechism says, is charity that binds everything together in perfect harmony. Recall to be charitable. Nothing worse or more unbecoming than an uncharitable Christian. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. We have this this weak human nature that, at times, falls greatly short of who we are supposed to be. But we're all called, and and the the what binds us and binds everything together in perfect harmony is charity. But the Catechism reminds us that unity of the Pilgrim Church is also assured by visible signs of communion, that being profession of one faith received from the apostles. You know, every, every Sunday, we, together with those brothers and sisters who are gathered uh, with us at Holy Mass, we profess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We go through the entire profession of our faith, and this is certainly a visible bond of our unity and our communion. That's why we shouldn't just pray it rote. We should really focus on those words. As we pray that and we profess our faith with those like-minded brothers and sisters gathered there at Mass with us every Sunday, to profess our faith that we have received from the apostles themselves through apostolic succession, which is another uh, visible bond of communion, of unity. Apostolic succession through the sacrament of holy orders, which has maintained the fraternal concord of God's family. That's why those Christian churches that have denominated, that have separated from the Catholic Church, and no longer have a valid priesthood because they have broken away from the apostolic succession, cannot have the uh, Holy Eucharist because they don't have the, the validity of apostolic succession in their ministry anymore. They broke away from it. And the other one is this common celebration of divine worship, especially the sacraments. We come together. You know, uh, I don't know if you heard, um, I don't think it was 
last, it was probably a while ago, but Father uh, John Ricardo, who we have every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m. on our stations, one time recently was teaching about Mass, and he was saying, you know, Mass is a communal celebration. It's not a private prayer. It's a communal celebration where we come together as the body of Christ to worship, and as the Catechism says, that uh, this common celebration of divine worship, again, is a visible sign of our unity as the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So this whole message of unity, now this week we celebrate a week of prayer for Christian unity. We hope one day that our non-Catholic brothers and sisters come back. But let's start in our own house and be unified as the body of Christ in the one true church. Because if we're not, if we are allowing ourselves to break apart this body, for whatever reason we decide to break it apart, it's very, very spiritually dangerous and it's an offense to God. We must strive to build up the kingdom, to build up the body of Christ here on earth in any way we can. We are called to be one unified church. We'll get back to this section of the Catechism next Thursday. Cheryl and I will be here tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Now, Crest is coming up, but at 5.30, we're going to take you down to Washington, D.C. for the uh, opening Mass. And then tomorrow morning, 7.30, starts our coverage live from Washington for the March for Life. So stay tuned right where you are, my friends. Again, have a great, blessed rest of your day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.